The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to P.I.'s Declassified, an inside look at the world of private investigators. Your host is Francie Kaler, a noted private investigator. Francie and her guests take you behind the scenes and into the genuine, sometimes gritty business of investigation. You'll hear stories from the trenches with plenty of surprises. Here's your host, Francie Kaler. Welcome to 2016 PIs Declassified. This is our first show this year. I'm excited, and I, I'm very excited to have Matt Gotkowski here with me from Pennsylvania, a licensed private investigator. Good morning, Matt. Good morning. How are you? Very good. And Matt and I are going to be talking about the art and skill of surveillance. But first, um, Matt, I know you're a licensed private investigator in Pennsylvania, um, but tell us more about yourself. How how did you become a private investigator? Well, I've been a I've been a private investigator since 2007, and uh, you know I know whenever someone finds out that you're a private investigator, everyone wants to know you know the backstory. Everyone assumes there's something really interesting there, and um, in in my case, uh, that's not really true. I got my job um, the same way a lot of people get their job. Someone hired me. Um, I had just finished college. And, uh, you know, I was like a lot of people my age, I was out trying to find a, a good fit for, for me. I wanted an interesting career. And through a personal connection, I got introduced uh, to a corporate investigation firm in Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. And uh, they started me kind of as an intern, a part-time employee. And then uh, eventually they hired me uh, full-time uh, in their background division. And uh, that was a real good fit for me. I, I really liked that. I was doing all kinds of different uh, background checks and online investigations and investigative research, and it was a real good fit for the skills I had at the time. You know, social media was becoming more important um, back, you know, at that time, and mm-hmm. uh, I kind of, I kind of grew, grew up with it, with uh, the social media. I was using it personally, and then um, after that, I. They had a surveillance division, and uh, I started taking some surveillance assignments. That's something that uh, really interested me. Uh, it seemed like a cool job. It seemed fun. You know, I was a young guy. It seemed like something that I could really get into. So I started uh, handling a lot of their surveillance assignments, and uh, you know, I learned that I kind of had a, I had a knack for it, and I was able to uh, enjoy it as you know, as much as it can be enjoyed, and. Uh, so I did that for a while, and then uh, a few years ago, uh, my wife and I started our family, and we decided that, uh, you know, we decided we want to move back home to be near our own family, and that's mm-hmm. when I took the step to um, 
get my own license. And then the idea grew on me about having my own license and, you know, maybe working independently and having my own agency. So in 2013, uh, that's what I did. I got my own license here in Pennsylvania and I opened up, uh, my agency, uh, flagship investigative services. And, you know, we're, uh, we're just a small, uh, you know, regional, local uh, detective agency here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And where were you? Where were you before you moved back? Uh, Pittsburgh. Okay, you're in Pittsburgh. Okay. Yeah, and, Pittsburgh. Yeah. And um, you said you graduated from college. What was your major? I was a, a political science major, and uh, you know that actually was a, a not bad preparation. You know, there's you know a lot of research and and writing that goes on there, um, but uh, you know, I wasn't, uh, you know, I didn't, I didn't have any former, you know, law enforcement experience or military experience like a, mm-hmm. like a lot of guys did. I came right from college and into this. And so this has been really what I've known for, you know, all of my career. My professional career has always uh, been as a, as a private investigator. And, and that has advantages to it as well, I think. It does. Uh, I really, yeah. I, I think it does for me so far. Interesting. Well, and you know what I like about um, talking to you about this, Matt, is that you're a young guy, and a lot of times um, private investigators are retired law enforcement, and so they're you know they're at the other end of their <laughs> other end of their life. Right. They're in their fifties or even their sixties, and they're just starting out as a private investigator. So I love the fact that you uh, have started out right out of college, and you're young, and you've got a family going, and it's a good a great example for other people that might be wanting to get involved in the field. Oh well, thank you. Yeah, it's true though. You you when you. I meet other investigators. Everyone's a, most people are a former something, uh, you know, a former <laughs> you know, police officer, a former intelligence officer. And, um, but, you know, I, I'm a little bit different, but it, it's, it's really, I think it, that's been good for me. I think that's actually helped me out quite a bit, especially when I started my, when I started working uh, on my own, that was a real big benefit that I already had a, a real mm-hmm. strong background in investigations. And, and when you were in the corporate environment, were you only doing investigations? Yeah, different uh, investigations. And, you know, I did some security work, some kind of, you know, like executive protection. Um, but, yeah, it was, it was uh, mainly a split between uh, uh, background investigations and surveillance. And I was real fortunate because they put, uh, you know, a lot of investment into me as an employee. They gave me really good training and uh, good mentors. You know, I was surrounded by people who are really accomplished uh, investigators and they were kind enough were, you know, uh, to take me along with them on when they were doing civil and criminal uh, defense cases. Um, I got to go along with them and learn how uh, you know, a proper interview was done in real life, not through a mm-hmm. book or just in a class. I got to go there and learn that firsthand experience, which, you know, you really can't replicate. Uh, so, when, you know, going along and seeing a guy who's a real pro who's been doing it for a long time, you know, that that's so important. You know, that really helped me grow to have those mentors and um, to get exposed to all these different kinds of investigations and mm-hmm. different kinds of skills. Uh, you know, that really helped me grow uh, as an investigator. That's great. <clears throat> and um, as long as we're talking about your company, Flagship Investigative Services, why don't you give the uh, website for that, in case it's, people uh, want to check you out, it's flagshipinvestigations.com, uh, and uh, we're in Erie, Pennsylvania. I do have a uh, a blog that I write on a little bit, um, and uh, that's been my website's been a really good tool for me uh, since I've been in business. 
How do you ha- how do you find time to write on your blog? Well, I don't always. Uh, you know, it's one of those. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, I, I I have to wait till I find a, a topic that you know I, I, f- I find interesting and that I feel comfortable writing about. Uh, you know, I, I, you know that's one of the things that is challenging sometimes. You know, putting out information that you want to make sure that you really know what mm-hmm. you're talking about. Uh, but it's mainly uh, the, the blog is mainly there just to kind of educate potential customers about. Um, the way I do investigation is kind of my philosophy on it and um, some things that they might not know when they're going around and, and looking to hire a private investigator. Exactly. Okay. All right. Well, and of course, I know about you because you wrote an article for Pursuit Magazine, which is a, an uh, online magazine for private investigators. So, right. um, and, you, and you were interviewed by Hal Humphreys uh, that... Uh, runs that operation about surveillance, and that's how I located you. And I, you know, I thought this topic was such a good one. So, um, what what is it about surveillance that you like? Well, you know, it's it's a it's a very unique job. You know, it's a very unique skill. You know, uh, you know, surveillance and you know, following people and and, and that kind of thing. And it's not it's not a common uh, a job, and I learned that I was a good fit for it. One of the reasons is that it allowed me to be uh, a little bit independent. When you're doing a case, um, of course, you know you have procedures that you have to follow and, and rules. But when you're out there, you're generally out there alone. And I, I, I liked how it was up to me to kind of find the best solution on how to work the case. And of course, you have to work with managers and clients. But it was really your instinct and your own intellect. Uh, mm-hmm. that was responsible for how the case would proceed and, 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 and a great deal of the success. And I, I did like that. Um, there's, there's, quite, there's quite a few things I like about a lot of the things most people might not um, understand if they've never done surveillance before. A lot of people go out there and they do it a few times and they say, hey, you know what, that's, that's just not for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, I've always been comfortable with it. Um, I'm kind of a natural. I've always been a bit of a, you know, people watcher. Uh, in general, uh, so I'm, I'm pretty comfortable with it, and it's uh, it's been great uh, for me because it's it's a good skill that I have, and you know, if other investigators can always use uh, you know a good uh, surveillance guy out there. Correct. So it's been a yeah. good. It's been you know it's been nice. It's been it gives me a bit of a specialty to to set me apart. Um, there, you know, people are comfortable uh, with me going out there and doing it. Well, and frankly, it's a little difficult, you know, because I don't do surveillance, so I'm always referring them. And it's a little difficult to find somebody that does it, does a good job in that area. So it, it, it really can be. And there's a lot of people out there. Um, there's a lot of investigators who say that you know that they can that they do a lot. You know uh, that they're you know how good they are at surveillance. You know, there's a lot of um, uh, you know kind of chess thumping about that, but it is hard to find someone <laughs> who really knows what they're doing and do, does it a lot. You know, it's one thing if you just go out there uh, occasionally to, you know, work a, a short case, but, you know, to go out there every day and to do well with it is, it, it does take, it, it is hard to find people that can do it um, routinely well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, how, well, let's say, let me say this. What would you, let's talk about what you would advise people that are looking for a surveillance investigator. What tips would you give them for that search and what, what would you advise them? 
uh, you know, find someone that you feel comfortable with, uh, just that you, 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 you feel comfortable with the way they connect with you. You know, if you feel like that they, you know, if they're, if they're honest or if, um, you know, you, they have, the number one thing is being reliable because when you're out here, you know, you're on your own, there's really no, you know, there's no one checking up on you to making sure you're doing the job correctly. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, you have to make sure that you feel like, you know, that, that they're, that, that they are trustworthy enough to go out there and do the case right and that they're reliable and they're going to, you know, they're going to show up and work it the way they're supposed to do it. Um, if you're somebody, you know, looking for an investigator, you know, it, one, another thing on my blog, I talk about how this isn't like say, um, an accountant or attorney that you need, where for example, if I needed an attorney, I might go ask, you know, my brother-in-law and say, Hey, do you have a referral to recommend because of the personal nature involved in a lot of investigations, mm-hmm. people don't feel mm-hmm. comfortable going out there and saying, you know, Hey, you know, if you ever hired a private investigator, you know, that's not real common. So definitely, you know, look around for referrals to maybe your attorney or other uh, professionals that might have experience um, with investigators. Uh, take a look at their websites to see if they have a professional bio. And then when you do talk to them, ask them, you know, well, you know who's going to be doing my case? Is it going to be you or, you know, you're having to be doing someone else doing it? And, you know, what's their background? Is this something that they're really good at? Is this something that you specialize in and you do a lot? You know, because as we know, there's all kinds of different investigators out there. So mm-hmm. you want to find one that really does know uh, what he's doing when it comes to uh, uh, a surveillance investigation. Exactly. And, of course, uh, the, first, the first thing they need to ask is if they're licensed as well. Yeah, definitely if they're, li- yeah, definitely if they're licensed. You see a lot of that now where people are kind of, especially if you've ever looked on Craigslist ads, you know, there's all kinds of people that are kind of posing um, or just being scammers. Mm-hmm. And and get and get proof of the license, I guess as well. <laughs> you can, I guess you can ask, and they can tell you their license, but you need to pre- have proof. Um, and of course, there's only there's only a few states now that don't have a licensing law. So um, it used to be a number of years ago where a lot of states didn't have licensing laws, and so you had to go get referrals and and uh, recommendations and and other things. But I think. Now the licensing laws, in fact, in most states, uh, that's a good way to at least weed people out. Right. So, um, so let's start with how. What do you do? How do you prepare to do a surveillance? Well, you always want to start off with you know getting as much information as you can from the client uh, about the case. So you're going to want to know, you know, hopefully you get a uh, uh, an update, up to date address and maybe a photograph or a description uh, of the vehicle they drive. And then once you get that, you know, they, a lot of times they, they'll run, like, uh, the comprehensive um, checks on them, and you'll get that information, or, you know, you'll, you'll run that yourself and to give you an idea of, of the person. And then, you know, before you go out there, you want to make sure that to, to check, you know, Google Maps is a really nice tool. You know, check the area out, get an idea of the kind of day you're in for, whether it's in, uh, you know, if you're going into a, a subdivision or a uh, small town or, uh, you, know, uh, you know, farmland, whatever it is, you want to be prepared for that, for the environment you're going into. Um, and then, you know, that preparation, that's really important. And you can use that to anticipate what might happen. You, know, you can see if, they, if they're located near, near a shopping center or near a school, that, that, those sort of things. And you can kind of, um, anticipate what might happen that day or if they have an appointment coming up. 
or if they, you know, go to physical therapy at a certain place or if they, there's a certain restaurant that they go to or, you know, all these little facts about people that you can learn through social media and through um, some databases to kind of give you a head start uh, on the case you're doing. Mm-hmm. And do you... Um um, oh, I lost my train of thought here. <laughs> uh, so when you go when you go out, are you always filming, or do you are there cases where you wouldn't film at all? Oh, uh, I mean, most of the time you're you're always trying to document the person with with video. Um, if it's you know, especially you know, especially if we're talking about like say an insurance claim, like a workers' compensation claim, you know, you want to document their activities. Uh, with video, and that's one of the most important things is you have to have uh, good uh, uh, camera work. You know, you have to have a good, reliable camera that can, you know, stand up to the rigors of the job, and then you want to practice with it because, you know, you ha- it has to be steady and it has to be clear, and you have to make sure you're not um, you know, zooming in and out or, you know, blurring the footage. You have to, it has to be good quality because that's going to go on to your client or into court, um, so, yeah, whenever you do one of these cases, generally you, you always want to document whatever they're doing in public um, on video as, as much as you can. Mm-hmm. Okay. And do you let's, – let's talk about cheaters a little bit because that's what people always <laughs> ask about, don't they? <laughs> that's, that's the first question I always get. And no, and no matter what no matter what I'll ever do, you know, as a PI, that's, that's probably the, the first question people always ask me. <laughs> I know. It doesn't matter what you do. That's always the first mm-hmm. question. And the second question is, do you carry a weapon? <laughs> so, uh, but <laughs> as far as carrying a weapon, I don't. Um, I, I, I mean, I, I, I just, I'm sitting in a car all day. I personally, I don't, I don't carry a, I mean, I don't carry a firearm mm-hmm. uh, with me. Um, you know, I guess that's just a personal uh, decision. It's based on your comfort level as well, uh, right. but I don't. Um, and as far as cheaters, you know, I get, um, I mean, what do you want to know about them? I, I, I get, I get calls for them, you know, almost every day mm-hmm. and it's not, it's not something I get real heavy into, you know, right. um, uh, for one of the reasons is, you know, you have to be real, you know, I feel like when you do this kind of work, you have to be, uh, very careful about who you do the work for and the reasons, mm-hmm. um, a lot of times people call you and you just feel like you're not getting the full story or you, you, you feel like you're not sure of their intentions. And that's just not a situation that I like to, you know, I want to put myself in. Um, a lot of times one of my rules is that, you know, I, you know, I prefer them to be um, represented by an attorney. So that way there's a, you know, there's that uh, buffer between uh, exactly. the, yeah. the, the client and, and myself. For, for legal reasons and communication and responsibility. You know, I feel much comfortable handing an, uh, uh, an attorney certain information than someone who I, I don't, who might not have the same professional standards, especially when it's so personal. Exactly. Um, exactly. You know, I never want to, I never want something I do to be used as, you know, as a weapon, as, you, know, right. or some, you know, like against someone else. You know, I always want to make sure there's a really either a legal or a business or, you know, some kind of legitimate reasons why, um, that case needs to be worked, and sometimes people come to you, and it's just out of you know personal spite or you right. know, anger. That's true. Right. Um, hey, Matt, we need to take a quick break. Uh, we'll be right back. We'll we'll be right back, Mac. Okay. The internet's number one talk station. Number one talk. 
Station. VoiceAmerica.com. Need to hire a private investigator? Ask for their professional association affiliations. When an investigator asks Francie Kaler about associations, she says to first join a state trade association. Francie belongs to the California Association of Licensed Investigators, or CALI. It's the largest association of its kind in the world. CALI's main focus is networking, training, and legislative advocacy. If you need a detective in California, contact CALI at cali-pi.org or call one 800 350 C-A-L-I. For a national association, Francie's choice is the National Council of Investigation and Security Services, or NCISS. For over 35 years, the council's primary mission has been to represent its members before the United States Congress and governmental agencies. Find the council at NCISS.org or call 1-800-445-8408. NCISS and Cali are great places to look for a qualified private investigator. Tell them you heard it from Francie on P.I.'s Declassified. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. listening to P.I.'s Declassified with Francie Kaler. You can call into the program. We'll take questions and comments at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You can also email your question to Francie. Send it to francie at pisdeclassified.com. Now, here's Francie Kaler. Private investigator Matt Garkowski is discussing the art and the skill of conducting surveillance. Matt, you were, you were just saying that sometimes you're not sure of the person's agenda that's making the inquiry call. How do you handle the call when you think that maybe they're not being straight with you? Well, you know, I give everyone a kind of chance to tell me they're, what's going on. You know, the, the calls always kind of start the same. You, know, you can tell that kind of as soon as you answer the phone, you can tell the person's not calling maybe from a law firm or a, an adjuster. You can tell it's, it's, it's a, someone in a, in a personal situation there. And uh, they, they always start off by asking, you know, so what kind, of, what kind of, do you do surveillance or what kind of, what kind of cases do you do? And then eventually I just say, you know, you know, tell me about your situation, you know, what's going on. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, then they kind of start telling me about, you know, an affair or, you know, you know whatever the situation is. And, uh, you know, I try to get as much information out of them as, the, as, as I can. And I try to see, you know, ask them questions about, you know, um, you know, their, their intentions. And, you know, what, I ask them, you know, well, if, if you had hired a private investigator, you know, what, what do you plan on doing with the, what do you uh, plan on doing with the information if, if I gave it to you? Mm-hmm. You know, if I did this case, you know, what do you plan to do? Is this, you know, take it to attorney or for personal use? You know, what is it that you want to do with the information when you find out? Um, so I, you know, I, I try to give them the benefit of the doubt at first and, you know, try to test them. And you know, I also try to get a feel for, you know, their, their emotional state. A lot of these people who are experiencing these problems, you know, they're, they're just, you know, they're going through a very, very difficult time. Uh, so, you know, you kind of have to get an idea of how emotionally stable they are 
you know, if, if you can tell if they're, you know, thinking clearly or if they're just very emotional and very hurt and very angry and if they're acting mm-hmm. off that. If they're acting off the pure anger uh, and, and hurt, you know, that's uh, a, a situation you have to be careful on because, you know, they're being impulsive. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, I also kind of ask, you know, I try to get an idea, you know, whether an investigation would even be helpful uh, to their situation. You know, uh, they'll, they'll explain to me what's going on. And I say, you know, I don't even know if an investigator could really either legally or, you know, be able to get the kind of information you want. Right. And uh, some of the situations people call me with, you know, they start, they, they start telling me about, you know, maybe, like, you know, a uh, certain kind of, just how bad the relationship is. And, you know, you kind of, you think to yourself, you know, the problem's not, you know, you need a private investigator. It's just the, 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 whole, the, the whole situation is toxic. And injecting an investigation into that situation might not be the smartest thing uh, for them. And, it's, you know, and obviously for me as a, as a mm-hmm. licensed investigator, you know, I care about my reputation and, and the, the people that I, who I work for. Well, what, what kinds of reasons um, would people give you that you would know an investigator or surveillance is not going to help them? Would it be like, uh, I'm, I'm thinking of one off the top of my head, somebody is involved in a custody battle and they want to find out if their spouse is doing drugs? Well, that's a, a common call. And uh, that's, you know, it can be difficult, but I mean, there are, you can still go out there and, you know, observe uh, the behavior and get an idea of where they're going, who they're dealing with, and you can kind of provide that um, information. I guess when I said whether or not an investigation would be helpful, I meant, you know, would it really be, would it really solve any um, problem for them other than to just kind of act on their impulses to say, oh, I, I, listen, I knew you were up to this and I got it. And like, as I said before, they kind of just want to use it as, you know, like kind of an, uh, something to, to intimidate them with or mm-hmm. just to kind of make the situation uh, worse. But, you know, there are calls, you know, I, I got this one call once um, from a young dad and he was talking about how his, his, his son, you know, has, his mother has custody of him and, you know, there's drug problems in the house and he's worried the kids are going to, you know, get a hold of the, 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 the pills that they're, mm-hmm. you know, the, 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 I guess the family was addicted to pills and they're worried about, you know, him, the little boy getting a hold of them accidentally. And that's a really heartbreaking story. I mean, some of these people, the stories people call you with, you know, are, are really sad, right. you know, and, 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 they, and, uh, you know, and they do deserve to have that kind of, um, information. You know, I never want it to be, uh, Private investigators, I mean, it, regular people should have, you know, access to good information, too, when they have to make important decisions. So, you know, families deserve access to good uh, information on, uh, when they have, when they're facing those kind of situations as well. So what, what I do is, you know, when I get a, a feel for it, you know, usually what I do is, I, you know, I, 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 I refer them to somebody who I know, you know, well, would do, probably do a good job for them if they took the case. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, everyone has, you know, is comfortable with different things and you always want to find the, the, the best person for the job. Okay. All right. So you, um, you wrote a, an article about uh, the 20 things that surveillance can under, uncover. What are some of those things that uh, if you were out on a surveillance, you would be able to find out about somebody? Well, it can be, you know, the really basic stuff like the condition of a house. Uh, the car they drive, license plate numbers, um, you know, their daily routine, whether they're working and where they work, who they associate with, 
Uh, sometimes you can find out, you know, if if they're kind of if they're up to no good, you can kind of see if there's um, the lifestyle they're leading. Um, and then, you know, you can find all kinds of very specific things. For example, you know, like if it's, if it's an employee, are they, uh, are they, you know, are they engaged in some kind of inappropriate behavior or misconduct? If they're, say if they have a company vehicle, are they, uh, you know, violating their company's policy on personal use of the vehicle mm-hmm. or, um, you know, or if it's a, uh, perhaps someone has a non-compete and they're violating the non-compete, you know, surveillance can figure out you know, if that person's, you know, working for, you know, if they're violating that. So, I mean, there's a lot of different things uh, surveillance can figure out because it's, it's, you know, it's real-time facts. You know, it's, 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 it's real-time behavior and evidence of, of what a, a person is doing, how mm-hmm. they're living their life and, uh, you know, all that. Well, and and a lot of times on workers' comp, you're you're not only trying to determine if the guy's really injured the way he's reported he is, but he may also be working for undercover, under the table for somebody some other company. Right, and and then that's one of them. I mean, that's one especially with workers' compensation cases. That's one of the main things they want. They might get a, you know, the insurance company might get a a tip that they're you know working somewhere uh, under the table or doing something they shouldn't. And, you know, that gets referred out to a private investigator and they want you to check on that. Sometimes, you know, they just want you to kind of, you know, kind of continue the file and just, you know, update it and go out there and find out, you know, the person's quality of life as far as their activity level. You know, are they an active person? Are they, you know, are they active? Are they doing anything um, physically that they've said that they can't? You know, or the, you know, so is, is the is the claim uh, legitimate or not? You know, or are they out there kind of are they milking the claim? Right, right. What kinds of uh, what kinds of cases do attorneys call you with, Matt? Uh, maybe like uh, personal injury. You know, if there's if there um, maybe if there's like a slip and fall. Uh, you know, those kinds of issues where, or uh, medical malpractice where if someone's being um, if a medical office is being sued for something happened during a procedure, uh, they might want to investigate the person to make sure, uh, you know, to verify uh, their their claims. You know, if they're saying that they can't drive because of the, you know of what happened, and we go out there and we find them driving, then we know that there's there might be you know some untruth going on, mm-hmm. um, or you know like injuries, uh, you know, but. It can be, you know, there's uh, a lot of different reasons for surveillance. And as I said before, that's, it's, it's real-time facts. And on my website, I mentioned that it's a nice tool because it's a lot of, say, when you're interviewing someone or you're getting background information, um, you know, that's all, you're, that's things that have already happened. You're finding about information that already happened where surveillance allows you to find out what's going on in real time. So you get to know, you know, it's the difference between knowing what's happening and what happened. Right. Right. Yeah. That's an interesting distinction. So let's talk about when you're actually on surveillance, what, I mean, I know you talked about being patient. Patience, Mm -hmm. I think is, I mean, it, it has to be ultimate patience. I'm, I know that it it wouldn't be something that I would be good at. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm really interested in this patience thing. So what what are you doing? Tell me, like, what's your mindset and, and 
what kinds of things do you go through when you're actually sitting on surveillance or driving on surveillance for that matter? Well, I mean, there's, there's a lot of downtime. You know, you, you, you get to your case, usually, you know, pretty early in the morning and uh, you, you want to find like a good, you know, a surveillance position, you know, somewhere where you're kind of unnoticed so you can actually make observations without, um, you know, your, your claimant or your subject, you know, knowing you're there or even without, you know, other neighbors knowing you're there because you don't want to just, you know, you don't want to cause a fuss in the neighborhood, obviously. Right. So, you, you know, you get yourself in a situation, then you are a, a position and, you know, then, I mean, there's a lot of waiting. Uh, that's when that's where the patient comes in. There's a lot of waiting and, you know, you could wait all day just for maybe five, ten minutes of activity. Um, but you try to be as observant as you can. Uh, you try to, I try to anticipate what might happen for if like, the person I'm following, if they did leave, I try to anticipate the different, you know, routes out of the neighborhood or anticipate what's going on um, in town that day. Or if, I know if there's a, you know, if there's a shopping center down the road, there's a good chance they might head there. I try to, you know, brainstorm different scenarios of, of what might go on if the person is active or, you know, um, you go there and you see that the person has like a really nice, you know, garden in their front yard or the, the, the grass is fresh cut. You know, you can kind of tell that someone's um, been active um, on that property and, you know, maybe they'll come out and do some weeding or, you know, so you might want to be prepared for that. You know, those, you just try to give yourself the, the, the best chance you can at success. So do you, do you go out to the site ahead of time and check it out before you're actually setting up on the day you're doing uh, the surveillance? Usually not. Uh, usually not. Uh, part of that's too is just, you know, time and budget uh, reasons. Uh, but no, usually not. Usually try to get as much information you can, you know, from from online, from from you know uh, satellite uh, photographs, and of mm-hmm. course, if there's if there's been surveillance in the past, a lot of times you get those reports, uh, so you can get an idea of you know what's happened before when another vest- another investigator was there, so you might have some clues about you know the kind of activity um, you're in for. So when you go out, uh, how do you how do you choose a, a location where you're not going to be detected? Because that would be probably the primary objective yeah. when you get out you there. Know, so how do you I mean, find you a place? Be, you want to be as close as possible without, you know, arousing suspicion. Um, and uh, sometimes, you know, a lot of times you have to, you know, talk with neighbors to kind of inform them that you might be in the area. You want to try to, the whole point is to be as unnoticeable as possible. You don't necessarily mm-hmm. want to hide, um, okay. but you know, just be unnoticeable. You know, just another, you're just another car on the road or just another car, um, you know, parked in the parking lot, you know, have nothing very, um, nothing that would make someone else say, you know, you know, out of place. Hey, what's, what's that person doing there? Why, why are they there? You know, you, <laughs> so, you, you know. <laughs> so you don't drive a red Ferrari when you do surveillance. <laughs> no, I wish, you know, uh, you know, all, yeah, all those cool things that you see on TV, you know, they're just, it's just not as fun as, you know, it's just like anything else. Once it gets to Hollywood treatment, it's just not, as, you know, real life isn't as cool. You know, I usually drive, you know, things like minivans or just, you know, common SUVs, common colors, silver, blue, black, you know, the, you, know you just kind of want to be uh, a, a, another person out and about that day and you don't want to do anything to draw attention to you. And that can so, be tough because, you know, even sitting in your, when you're sitting in your car um, all day in a neighborhood that, 
you know, that can be difficult to, to go unnoticed. Right. You mentioned talking to neighbors. What would you say to, your na- to the neighbors? Well, sometimes, you know, the, the clients will actually want you to do like a canvas where you actually kind of go and, and, and speak uh, to some people in the neighborhood just to get, see if you can get any information about it. But um, my comment about speaking to neighbors is generally, you know, and that what the, the pursuit article you mentioned, one of the things I mentioned about how I do surveillance, I mentioned that I'm, I'm thoughtful. And what it really goes back to is um, I try to be, you know, respectful of, you know, the neighborhood I'm in, the community that I'm in, and I don't want to, you know, alarm anyone. So mm-hmm. if I know that if I'm in a situation where, you know, you, you just can't, you know, kind of be discreet. You know, I try uh, my best to kind of speak with a neighbor or maybe someone who works at a, a local business where I need to park and just kind of explain to them who I am, introduce myself, ask them permission, let them know that I'll, I'll be there and try to give them some reassurance that, um, you know, of, that, that I have a legitimate reason uh, to be there. Do you tell them you're a private investigator? Uh, I mean, I, I, you don't say private investigator, but oftentimes I'll just say, hey, you know, I'm working for an insurance company or, you know, I'm, you know, working for a law firm. And I'm, I don't give them specifics. You know, you can give mm-hmm. them enough information so they know that you're being um, uh, forthright, but, you know, without the details. You don't want to give anything that could actually jeopardize the reason you're there. Um, you know, sometimes I'll just say, you know, I'm just looking for a car in the area or um, trying to serve papers. I give them a kind of a general vague reason that I'm there. And, and most people, um, I, I said, most people are pretty helpful, I think. Um, mm-hmm. I think they, you know, they, they're willing to help if they think that you're being genuine with them. And um, I'm just not the kind of person, you know, I know a lot of guys can go out surveillance and, you know, if the neighbors are checking them out or if they're bothering people, you know, they, it, it doesn't bother them a the whole lot, you know, where I, 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 I've had better success by trying to be as, uh, you know, um, thoughtful and open as I can uh, mm-hmm. about why I'm there, but obviously not in a way that would actually get back to my subject or do anything that could jeopardize the case. Well, it seems it, like it, a, you, prop- it's a lot better. It's a lot better day. If, you know, if you're sitting in a parking lot, it's a lot nicer if the, you know, maybe if the, you know, the manager of the grocery store or wherever you are knows you're there or, you know, if it's a little business, they know you're there and why you're there and you're not, they're not calling the cops on you or right. they're not, you know, spreading the word around town that, you know, someone's there and they don't know why. Because, you know, it makes people nervous, especially in, like, neighborhoods where there's kids around. I've noticed lately that people are much more aware, mm-hmm. much more alert. I think it's more of a reflection of kind of like the world we're living in now. People seem a little bit more scared and they're not willing to give you uh, much uh, benefit of the doubt. If they, if they think you're being suspicious, you get approached much quicker. Uh, so you, you, you want to, you know, try to minimize that as much as you can. I would think a problem neighborhood would be a, a neighborhood that has neighborhood watch signs posted in their windows. How do you handle that one? Uh, you know, I'd, the toughest neighborhoods really are like the, um, I mean, any neighborhood could be tough depending on where you are. But, you know, when you're in, say, like a subdivision, like a, a real kind of a more wealthy area with, you know, no street parking and there's lots mm-hmm. of families out and there's, you know, really... Uh, no way to blend in. Those are, you know, some of the most difficult uh, places to go. Yeah, but th- that's sure. the thing about surveillance. It takes you everywhere. You go out into farmland, you go into, uh, you know, city neighborhoods, downtown, suburbs, small towns. You know, it really takes you anywhere. So you have to be adaptable to be able okay. to 
handle all those different environments. I want to talk more about that. We're going to take another break, though, Matt. More to come on Surveillance. Stay tuned. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Need to hire a private investigator? Ask for their professional association affiliations. When an investigator asks Francie Kaler about associations, she says to first join a state trade association. Francie belongs to the California Association of Licensed Investigators, or CALI. It's the largest association of its kind in the world. CALI's main focus is networking, training, and legislative advocacy. If you need a detective in California, contact CALI at cali-pi.org or call one 800 350 C-A-L-I. For a national association, Francie's choice is the National Council of Investigation and Security Services, or NCISS. For over 35 years, the council's primary mission has been to represent its members before the United States Congress and governmental agencies. Find the council at NCISS.org or call 1-800-445-8408. NCISS and Cali are great places to look for a qualified private investigator. Tell them you heard it from Francie on P.I.'s Declassified. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Listening to PIs Declassified with Francie Kaler. You can call into the program. We'll take questions and comments at 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. You can also email your question to Francie. Send it to F R A N C I E at PIsDeclassified.com. Now, here's Francie Kaler. Do you want to hone your surveillance skills or are you a person who wants to hire an investigator to conduct surveillance? Private investigator Matt Grotkowski is here to talk about it. So, Matt, you were just talking about different areas. And I, I just from my limited experience uh, doing surveillance, um, I know that an urban area is probably a lot easier to, do, to set up um, an undetected surveillance, and it maybe would be in a farming area or a small town. How do you do that? I, if you came to my hometown where everybody knows each other and you're an unknown, how would you get away with it? Well, I mean, you always have to take every case individually and say, you know, like, you know, how how easy or, you know, is it really possible to, to successfully do surveillance out here? You know, that's part of uh, you know, you have to make that, uh, that assessment. Um, but, you know, we do surveillance out in very isolated rural areas all the time. And it's really, you know, you have to be very respectful of uh, private property. Uh, and you have to, you know, find some kind of way to blend in, which isn't easy when there's not a whole lot out there as far as activity. So, uh, you know, you kind of have to look around. And that's when I say, you know, anticipate uh, what they might do. So if there's, you know, maybe a gas station down the street or, a, 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 you know, a convenience store or a pharmacy. Maybe you have to go, you know, into town. You can't always set up directly on the house. You know, you can't mm-hmm. be that aggressive all the time. You know, sometimes you have to 
uh, be smart and go back to, you know, uh, you know, like their, they call it like, you know, avenue of departure, you know, the way if they were going to leave their house, um, you can go somewhere um, where it's uh, more easy to blend in, where they wouldn't notice you, and then you can kind of pick them up from there. And that's, you know, usually your safest bet mm-hmm. uh, for those kind of uh, environments. But, uh, you- but again, it's all some, some people might just, some guys, who knows, they might just pull up and park on the side of the road and, you know, take their chance at it. You know, every, everyone's different as far right. as like, you know, the person, you know, the person's personality kind of gets reflected through the case. The way they work the case is a reflection of their personality. Well, I, I noticed in your article, you say, uh, so how do I do surveillance? You're patient and you trust your judgment. And I guess that is a real key um, that you have to trust your own judgment that you're in the right place and uh, going to be in the, um, set up the right way. Do you use props at all? Uh, I, I wouldn't really say props. I mean, sometimes if you have to go door to door, it's nice to have, you know, something that makes you look like, you know, you're working like a, you know, like a clipboard or, you mm-hmm. know, I know, I know a lot of guys keep a, uh, a dog leash, uh, in their car at all times. So if they kind of have to go around, um, say, well, I lost my dog and they have like a dog leash, that, that, those sort of things. But I mean, there's nothing too, um, extravagant, you know, no, no disguises, you know, maybe just, uh, you know, if I have to go into a store, I'll put a different hat on or, you know, something like that, mm-hmm. kind of small, small changes. Right. And you often, um, have to make quick decisions, don't you? Yeah. Uh, that's when you're, especially when you're, when you're actually following someone and you're doing surveillance, mobile surveillance, when you're actually in a car or you're, you're moving, you know, you have to anticipate what the person might do. So you have all these different, like, micro decisions you have to make, you know, when you're coming up to uh, a highway on-ramp, you know, to see if they're going to get on or if they're going to, you know, pull into this parking lot, what am I going to do if they're, you know, you have to try to gauge your space between yourself and the person you're following, whether or not you want cars in between the two of you, uh, we call them uh, buffer cars. If, you know, if, if that's going to get you, you know, if, if you have too much space between the person, are they going to notice you? Do you have not enough space? Are you going to lose them? So you have to make all these really small, very quick decisions um, mm-hmm. very, very, very quickly because, you know, if you just, if you just hesitate for, you know, a little second and you kind of freeze, um, you know, it, you, you could lose them or, you know, and then there goes your whole day. You don't want to sit on a house for five hours and then you finally get activity and then you lose them uh, five minutes later. You know, mm-hmm. that's the worst feeling. Right. Exactly. And and also, I guess your instinct, if you do lose them, where, the, where they might be going to stop it next. Right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you try to think, you know, you know the direction they're headed and what's out that way. Um, you know, you might have some information. You might have an idea of where they're going to begin with. But if not, you know, you can... Uh, you know, try to go out there and search as best as you can and maybe, you know, head to the nearest Walmart or wherever is nearby there and try to get lucky and, and find that, uh, you know, find them again. Well, what do you say to somebody that says, why, why can't I just do this myself? Uh, because, you know, it's the same reason I can't do their job myself because, you know, I don't know how to do it. You know, because it's, um, you know, I think partially because, you know, people see so much kind of stakeouts and stuff on TV um, they might think that, you know, they can go out there and do it, but it's really something that you can get better at the more you do it. And it does take a lot of experience to do and doing it wrong can, you know, that's, um, 
I always say there's not one right way to do it, and there's, but there's a whole lot of wrong ways to do it. And, you know, especially if people call me and they said that they've been trying to do surveillance for, for whatever reason, that kind of spouse, I say, you know, that's, you don't want to put yourself in, in, in that situation. Um, you know, you want to make sure you go to, a, you know, someone who's professional uh, to do it. Same reason I don't, you know, I don't try to do anyone else's, <laughs> any, anyone else's job just because, you know, I yeah. don't know how to do it. I don't know what I'm doing. And you don't, you, know? you never work with another surveillance investigator when you're on moving surveillance? Oh, sometimes, yeah. It, it, it depends on the case. So there's, there's plenty of times you might work with uh, another investigator. The majority of time, uh, it's kind of a solo act. But, yeah, there are plenty of times you might have another person out there. Uh, for example, how you said earlier about um, if you were out somewhere where it's really, really difficult to set up, like out in farmland. So you might have mm-hmm. two people to cover both routes if the person would leave. Or perhaps the pe- person might already be a little suspicious that, um, they could be under surveillance, so you want an additional person there to, you know, uh, to help. Okay, so uh, say I'm uh, I'm calling you, Matt, as a potential client, and I'm and uh, I guess the only thing I can think of at the moment is I have a cheating spouse, and uh, how much is this going to cost me? Well, you know, how do you talk about that? I never, I never want to quote anyone else's prices because you know there is there is a, a big, um, you know, the, the prices really vary on on area and your your region and the the investigator and so forth. So, um, you know, as far as it can cost anywhere from I know there's probably investigators out there that are only charging, you know, fifty dollars an hour up to investigators and in, in firms that would charge you know well you know, over a hundred, 150, mm-hmm. 200 an hour. So that, that really varies. Um, but I always tell people, you know, don't be, you know, don't be fixated on cost. Like you want to make sure you have a, a budget where you can actually get the information you want. Um, but you, know, you really have to look into this, the situation you're in. Um, you know, you have to, you know, you do have to commit um, a decent budget to, to, to getting the information. So um, usually what you do is, you know, you kind of talk with them and you get an idea of, of, you know, the situation they're in. And then you kind of um, give them, you know, an estimation of where to start, whether if you want eight hours or 10 hours to start with, and then, um, you know, set up a retainer based on what you agree to. So if it's two days of surveillance, you kind of write up a retainer uh, based on that and then go from there after you complete that. Mhm. Mhm. And okay, so you do it based on hours. You, yeah, generally so you tell, it's usually always an hourly fee. Some guys might have, you know, like a daily fee or um, you know, insurance companies oftentimes you know, adjusters or third-party administrators they'll often they'll, they'll just want you know, like your like a flat fee for the whole day. Um, but you know, generally though you get a lot of it's hourly hourly rates. Well, people as people typically don't do what you expect them to do. Like, for instance, if you're supposed to be sitting surveillance on a certain person at a certain time, well, maybe they maybe they just go to lunch, or maybe they go to the movies or something, and they're not doing what you think they're what you're on surveillance for. So, so how do you factor that in when you're talking about the number of hours it's going to take for the surveillance? Well, that's I mean that's one of the reasons you always try to work with you know good clients who kind of understand that, you know, that you're, that, you know, you're not necessarily in control of what the other person does as far as their activity. 
Um, you know, our job is to, you know, document what that person does. You know, it, you know it's mm-hmm. not necessarily, you know, if the person doesn't go out there and do what, you know, the client wants, you know, it's, that's not a reflection on the job that we're doing. You know, we, we put ourselves in the best situation we can for success. Um, you know, we try to do everything right um, from the start. Um, but if the person just doesn't do what they want them to do, um, you know, that's, that's part of the investigative process. It's, it's, that's one of the things, curious things about investigations, that it is often based on a budget. Where in law enforcement, you know, you have so many resources and it's, you, you investigate till you know, you, you come to a conclusion. Um, mm-hmm. and, but, you know, in business, you know, you have, it's based on a budget and time and, res- and usually, you know, some smaller resources and uh, the overall, you know, how important the, the information is. And how often do you report back to the client, your client? Uh, you know, all clients are, are, are different. You know, sometimes some of them just kind of want an end-of-the-day update, you know, especially for, for insurance work. Usually there's a update throughout the day mm-hmm. um, or an email update. Uh, some attorneys kind of want, you know, to be updated uh, more often than that or, you know, whenever something important happens, you, you update them. Um, like I said, you know, I don't get real heavy into um, – the domestic stuff. And I know a lot of those, and one of the reasons too is, you know, those people, you know, they want to be really involved and updated. Right. And there's a, there's a lot of communication. You know, I don't want my, you know, my phone <laughs> ringing at 2 a.m. saying, oh, yeah. my, my husband went to the bar. Can you go down there? You know, like right. those sort of things. So those, that's one, uh, one of the reasons why I, I, I stay a little clear of them. Um, but, you know, it, that goes to, um, you want to set those rules kind of before you start the case a little bit or, or you know, before, um, before you begin to say, you know what, I'll, I'll, I'll update you at the end of the day or you ask them, you know, how do you, how do you want me to communicate with you by email or um, try to set that up so you don't have communication problems. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, all right. So what other, can you give uh, investigators that are listening to this show any tips that they might be able to use uh, in their own surveillance techniques? Um, I always tell people to be relaxed and be calm. And I know that that, that might sound very simple, but, uh, you know, if a lot of people do this, they get kind of panicky. You know, they think the person they're following is aware of them. They think they're suspicious or they think the people in the neighborhood are watching them. You know, they they get kind of uh, nervous and, Mm -hmm. You know, I think that shows when you're doing the case, you know, and they start doing all these spot checks of the house and they, they get too aggressive. I always tell people to be calm, relaxed. You know, your job is to, um, you know, observe and, and, and document um, the things that you can. Mm-hmm. And I think that if you're calm and relaxed, I think, you know, that um, shows when you're doing a case because, uh, you know, sometimes people just get too too jumpy. Um, also, have the right equipment. You know, if, if you're new to this, um, you know, make sure you go out there, find out, you know, all the, inf- the, the equipment you need. You know, have a good uh, 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 camcorder. Uh, make sure you have a good covert camera because you know you have to go into you know different establishments um, with the people. So you know, make sure you have a couple good covert cameras that fit your you know whatever case you're working. If you're going into a bar or to a uh, you know, a convenience store, wherever you want to make sure you have covert cameras that, you know, work for those situations. So have the right equipment. And uh, and then just be consistent um, when you're doing the case. Uh, sometimes 
I'll work with another investigator and something will happen. They'll say, oh, man, we got real lucky. Mm-hmm. And well, maybe we did, but we, are in, we put ourselves in the situation to get lucky. You know, so be, so find out, like, take your best practices and be real consistent with them. Um, you know, that's where you kind of, that's where the luck comes from is when you put yourself in a good situation, um, luck finds you, you know, so be consistent with all your, um, your good practices. And, um, so I, I guess, know, um, making sure all your devices are charged up would be important, huh? <laughs> making sure you get, yeah, making, <laughs> and you, and making sure you're, you got batteries and, uh, yeah, your if you're, that your cameras work in, you always want to have a backup of, of your camera. Um, you know, try to take good notes and learn to write a good report because that's the other half of the job that we haven't really mentioned. But right. it's it, if, if it's great that you can go out there and you know do surveillance really well, but if you can't write the report properly, because the the only thing that the client sees at the end is your report and your video. There's, that's the that's whole right. product. That's right. You know, obviously, you know they have, you, they get the information, but you know that's you know what you're sending them. That that's your product. That's all they see. They don't know that you sat in a car for ten hours, or they know, but they don't care that you sat in a car for ten right. hours in a hot day, or right. that you had just to get to the case you had to drive through a blizzard and all that. They get that report in the video. So make sure that it's as good as you can make it. Make sure your reports, um, you know, the pictures are good, that they, the, the video footage is good, because that's what they see. Exactly. And that's why the you know, judge would see or you know, whoever, if that right. case ever goes to. You know, Matt, we're out of time, uh, but thank you for being on the show. This has been really interesting. I hope that uh, people are listening, got something out of it, and people that are in- interested in hiring an investigator will know what to ask, and, and uh, so I appreciate that. So uh, well, the rest you. of you, go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, that's it. Thank you. I, I enjoyed it. Great. Okay. And if you're interested in advertising, please contact Sondra Rogers at uh, voiceamerica.com and tune in next week as we declassify more real stories from real investigators. Thanks for listening. I'm Francie Kaler. You've been listening to PIs Declassified with your host, Francie Kaler. Tune in every Thursday at noon Eastern Time. That's 9 a.m. for you West Coast listeners. P.I.'s Declassified explores stories of deceit, mystery, and detectives unraveling the truth. Every Thursday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific Time, here on the Voice America Variety Channel.